This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair. I am delighted and proud to introduce him as Academy Award winner. And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to the winner. It's a tie. And any little girl who's who's practicing their speech on the telly, you never know. Mom, I just want an Oscar. I'm Katie Rich. What you just heard is our brand new intro music. I hope you love it as much as I do. And I'm here for today's interview episode with Rebecca Ford. Hi, Katie. Uh, Rebecca, you got to talk to Riley Keough, the star of Daisy Jones and the Six, uh, who was juggling a, uh, I think, eight-month-old baby in the background who managed to not inter- interrupt the uh, interview, which is one of many accomplishments uh, she's had over the past <laughs> couple months. Um, you're a big fan of this show, and it seems like her performance is really one of the many standouts of it. Yeah, this show was a really enjoyable watch, but I couldn't help thinking about how this person who is Elvis's granddaughter is playing a rock star and what that experience must have been like. I mean, her singing is incredible in it. And I was like, of course, she's Elvis's granddaughter. But <laughs> she actually talks about how she had no singing experience and had to go to a vocal coach. And that was like really the toughest part about this. So I found that pretty surprising. It's kind of cool that she's like leaning into this huge expectation she's had for her life this whole time. And I think you guys talked about like she's never known what it was like not to be adjacent to fame her entire life. Um, and But she's really like claiming that power for herself lately, it seems. Yeah, I think she I mean, you must have had to think about it because, you know, those questions are going to come up when you take on a role like this. And I think she's really, yeah, just sort of doing the things she wants to do. And I sort of asked her how those priorities change once you become a mom and where she's in her life right now. And she's pretty uh, candid about how she's sort of navigating all that. So it, it was really interesting to talk to with her about it. Yeah, she's a really special kind of star. I feel really glad that she got this huge showcase. Um, and it makes it feel like there's only more exciting things to come after this, right? I think so. Seeing how talented she is, I feel like the possibilities (laughs) are endless. Yeah. Uh, Well, let's hear more from your conversation with Riley Keough. I'm so excited to welcome Riley Keough today. She's the star of Daisy Jones and the Six, a series that I flew through. So I'm really excited to talk about it. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm so curious what... Daisy looked like on paper for you the first time you sort of read the script or or read an episode? 
The first time I read the script, I think I read the first, I think I read the pilot. In the pilot, she's very young and, you know, she's meant to be a, a teenager and she's still living at home. And she just felt so funny and complicated and, and you know, spoke her mind and, and liberated and free in this way that I just felt really inspired by. And then I read a few more episodes and the more episodes I read um, as she sort of gets older, the more, you know, she really develops as a character in this way that was just really exciting to me. You know, you're kind of taking her from a kid and to this woman who is so unapologetically herself and really felt like, especially for the time, very ahead of her time as a female uh, in the 70s, you know, in music. That's what I love about limited series is or shows is you get a real opportunity to um, develop a character and, and you know, see them from over, you know, long spans of time and, and really get time with, with the, the person. And, and, and uh, yeah, I just felt really excited by that. And on the paper, she was, you know, it, it was really well written and, um, I'd read the book as well. So it was it was kind of a lot of material to work with. And so I think it was for me just about kind of figuring out my version of her, which was the fun part. <laughs> yeah. And I know you had to audition for this, you know, like everyone does. And and I'm curious at that point, like how bad did you want this? Or was it just kind of like one of those auditions and I'll see where it goes situations? I think I wanted it really badly because of a few things. I I wanted the opportunity to try something that I'd never tried before. Like I love when that happens in, in acting, you know, and which was singing and, and playing music and and just and, and being able to do it in a way that felt like she'd been doing it for years and she was, you know, they were rock stars. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, an amateur thing, which is kind of, you know, for, for me, I, I had never sang before. You know, I I'd sang a little bit here and there with my husband because he plays guitar and, you know, I, 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 I know that I have a sort of musical ear, but I, in, in terms of like actually using my voice, I'd never done that before. So I was really excited by the opportunity to try and learn something new and try and be able to do it at a level which was, um, you know, professional in a sense. Yeah. So what was that audition process like? I assume you had to sing for it. And where were you sort of at as a amateur <laughs> singer at that point? <laughs> um, so I had to act first. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I think I simultaneously had to send in a, a the acting audition and also a singing sort of like a me singing. And I sent the, the scenes in and, um, and then I sent a, like a little voice note, I think, of me and my husband singing together and my voice was very soft and you know just kind of felt like a cute Mm -hmm. (laughs) um like little video with my husband but it was by no means like a powerful singing um video and they kind of said you know like this is great but she needs to daisy needs to be able to like really sing i think at the time they were looking at singers like professional singers um and uh and so i kind of went okay um i'll I'll work on that, I guess. Um, And so I sent another video in and it was, you know, I was singing a different song and then I I had a friend record me singing a song, but I was kind of hitting this wall where I was, I was thinking that I wasn't capable of 
you know, what they needed in terms of like vocal performance. And um, they said, okay, this, this, like it's fine, but she needs to sort of belt. And I didn't know literally like how to do that with my voice. Like I, I was like, do I yell? Do I, how do I, like I, I, I had like no, you know, like a person off the street, like no experience of like how to belt. So um, I was sitting in the car and my agent was like, just, you know, try and sing, try and sing a, the Lady Gaga song, Shall- uh, uh, Shallow. Shallow. Is uh-huh. that what it's called? Yep. And I was like, Allie, you don't just like bust out a Lady Gaga song. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's not like, people can't do that. There's a reason that, that, you know, that it's Lady Gaga. So I was sitting in the car and I was on like Franklin or something and I pulled over and just like tried, you know, and, and it just sounded so bad. Like I didn't even, like, it just sounded so horrible. And I sat there and I started crying because I was just so frustrated. And, you know, it just, it felt like this point where I was like, I'm not going to be able to, it wasn't even just about getting the role. It was like, I'm not going to be able to do something that I had an idea that maybe I could do if I put work in. But then there was a part of me that was like, I, this is so unfair because I feel like if I had the time to put work in and rehearse, like I could, you know, get to a, a better place. And, and then I sat there and I was just kind of, you know, felt feeling sorry for myself. <laughs> and then I kind of went, you know what, I'm going to go to a vocal coach and really give it a chance. Cause, um, maybe there is something to like, learn. you know, I, I think I had an idea that like you either can sing or you can't, which I think, Maybe there's some truth in if if you don't have like pitch or like a, like you know that kind of thing. But um, something I really learned here is like how much you can do with your you know with with uh your voice and and with your whatever like all kinds of skills if you if you put the hours in like it really you you can you know really um uh, work on it. And I, I guess I didn't really I didn't think of like the voice as an instrument. You know I I didn't you know, have any experience with it. And so I went to a coach and I worked with him over the weekend and I think they needed it by Monday. And, uh, and I was sitting there and just trying and, and it wasn't working. And then I went home and all of a sudden simple man by Leonard Skinner <laughs> came into my head. And, and I was like, I think I can like put what he was saying to me in the, in the lesson into this song. Like I, I think in hindsight, it was just in my key. You know, I was like, this is you know, a song I could probably sing. And so I went back again and I was like, let me try one more time to this song. And, and, uh, I, I, le- I was able to belt, uh, like project and sing loud, um, for the first time. And, and then I, you know, sent the video in and waited and they sent it, I think they sent it to Tony Berg and to, to Blake Mills. And then I got to the next step, which was them asking me to come in in person and which was you know terrifying <laughs> but um because I was like sitting there like you know when you're doing a video you can control it and you can kind of you know so I yeah so then I went into the studio at to Sound City um in the valley and they put me in a room with Blake and wanted me to like sing live which was you know very scary after I'd only had like one or two days <laughs> learning to sing <laughs> You come to the New Yorker Radio Hour for conversations that go deeper with people you really want to hear from, whether it's Bruce Springsteen or Questlove or Olivia Rodrigo, Liz Cheney, or the godfather of artificial intelligence, Jeffrey Hinton, or some of my extraordinarily well-informed colleagues at The New Yorker. So join us every week on the New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
It's interesting because in the show, you are so good, like the vocal performance and the confidence. Like, I really had assumed that you had a long history with singing, obviously, with your family legacy and music. So it blows me away that this was so new for you. But I'm curious, was because of your family's legacy, is that something you shied away from on purpose? Or was it just because acting was more of your interest? I don't think I shied away from it on purpose. I think I was just like from as far back as I can remember, just obsessed with movies and acting and, and writing and I wanted to direct. And so that was just, you know, it wasn't, I don't, I don't think I really thought about it. You know, I, <laughs> um, it was never something that was in my mind as like, you know, uh, I love music, but it wasn't something that I felt drawn to in the same way that I, I did with, with a uh, film. Yeah. You talked to my colleague Savannah about how when you guys were actually in production, it was sort of a really tough time for you uh, personally and dealing with some autoimmune stuff in your health as well. And, and I'm curious if you ever thought about backing out of the project with so much going on at the time. I did. Um, I, you know, it was, I'd lost my brother um, while we were, you know, on a sort of pandemic hiatus, I guess. Um, and, you know, we were supposed to film a few months later. And at the time I was kind of like, I'm not, I don't think I'm able to perform well or give anything. And then, and then it pushed again, it pushed like six months, you know? And so, yeah, at that time I was like, I don't, you know, I don't know if I'd be able to do anything. And, uh, and then, and then it pushed again and I kind of went, okay, well maybe this happened for a reason. And it also, you know, the, the push also really helped us with our, our music and our, our instruments and our singing, because, you know, we ended up having a year to rehearse. And, uh, so in many ways it, it felt like it, it came exactly when it was supposed to. Um, and yeah, I also, um, I have autoimmune like issues. So I was really struggling with that. And so, yeah, I, I definitely was like, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I should take a break or I shouldn't, I shouldn't be working, but I just decided to do it. And, I think there was something about this project that was really joyous and different to typically I've done sort of more darker, more serious work. And, and I really felt like I needed to do something that felt um, like a fun experience at, at this point in my life. And, and the, the cast are, you know, I love them so much and they're like a family and it was just a very um, supportive and joyful environment and I felt like in a way it was a gift in that at that moment in my life um and uh it was it was really hard you know it was hard physically for me with my body with you know what I was going through at the time and and emotionally it was it was challenging but I, I think that ultimately it was the perfect thing for me to do and 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 I was surrounded with such wonderful people and it was yeah it was a it was a really special moment and then also being able to record the album, you know, I was doing all these things that were very new and inspiring and, um, and, uh, intimate in a way and, uh, and very special. So it was, uh, yeah, I would think, I think, uh, I think, it, I think everything happens for a reason. And I think that it came at, at the right time. Yeah. I'm curious beyond the singing, when it comes to the actual acting performance, was there a part of Daisy's character that was sort of hardest for you to grasp or you know uh, understand as you were preparing to play her I don't think there was anything that felt hard to grasp for me um 
but that was just my interpretation of her. I think um, I think I had a very clear version of her uh, that I I wanted to play, which was, you know, I actually I think it was Blake or Tony. Somebody sent me this letter that Janis Joplin had written her family, um, and right before she'd passed away, and there was this real sense of childlike wonder in the letter and she was so excited to talk to her parents and to tell them about the apartment she was living in and and the the town she was in and and it felt like like a child writing to their parents and it was it was um really inspiring to me and I wanted to give Daisy that sort of that childlike wonder and I wanted that to continue even throughout her sort of pain and her her hardships. Um, and that was, that was kind of my strongest, um, vision is, is keeping that through her journey of, of, from being this sort of like young, excited woman to this sort of more broken and, and lived in kind of rock star. Yeah. And a big part of the story in the show is sort of how these characters deal with the fame and, and that level of attention, which I have to assume is someone whose family has had to deal with that, you know, since your birth and beyond, you might have a different perspective on how you handle fame than someone who, you know, dealt with it later in their career. Yeah, I, it, that's an interesting point, because for me, that's all I know. Yeah. So And so I think it's actually about trying to understand what that would be like, had you had no experience with it, you know, which I can imagine would be really um, a really intense experience to kind of be a person a a normal person on the street and then and then overnight kind of have this success and I think that that can really um affect people deeply um because it's very intense it's a it's a it's a very different kind of energy you're living with and 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 coming at you from the world and yeah so it was kind of it was it was more about like trying to understand what it would be like to not have uh (laughs) grown up that way. Yeah. And I know you um, just sort of watched Austin Butler go through the award circuit, you know, with Elvis, and I know you're a big supporter of him. And, and now, you know, your name is coming up with the Emmy race and all of that. I'm, I'm sort of curious how you approach that part of this business uh, and, and sort of promotion and awards and all of that at this point in your life. Yeah, I... I think I just feel really grateful. You know, I'm, I'm, I try not to do anything with outcome in mind. Um, I try and stay present and, and, you know, you do your art for, for you. And in a way, you know, it's, it's a selfish thing. It's like, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, something that brings me joy. And um, if, if people love it, they love it. If they don't love it, they don't love it. And I think that I personally try and sort of detach from that part of it, I, I find making it really sacred and it's this sort of intimate, special thing you're doing in the moment with these people. And, and then it goes out into the world and who knows what happens, you know? So I, I try and just stay grateful for the opportunity that I'm, I'm, I've been given to work and to do what I love um, as a job. And, you know, I think awards are very cool. I think it's, I think it's awesome to, recognize uh, great performances but um you know I think you also have to just stay present and and what you love about it which is the the working part for me 
Yeah. It is cool to see the way this show has gotten such a wonderful um, fan following. Like, I imagine there will be Daisy costumes when we hit Halloween. I and know. <laughs> That's always the exciting part for me is, like, when there's costumes. I love that. You know, <laughs> I remember, like, uh, the year Zola came out, I was getting tagged in, like, Zola Halloween costumes. And it's just, it just, it's, I don't know what, what it is about that that's, like, really fun, but I, I love that. Yeah. Were you sort of surprised that the show has become sort of this moment? I, I think it's the way people, you know, love this fictional band and, and your characters is pretty special. It is really special because I think that like often things at the moment, there's so much content that things kind of come and go. And that's sort of what you expect nowadays for me anyway, is, you know, it's kind of on to the next thing. And, and with this, it kind of had this life that felt more reminiscent to like a, I don't know, how things used to be, where the things had 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 a moment to really sort of live in the world. And um, so I, I'm really appreciative of that and, and, and surprised. And, you know, like I said, you kind of never know <laughs> what's going to happen when it, when it goes out into the world. And I think that, uh, I think that was, that's really special. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. What are you guys excited to cover in the next few months? There's a new a translation of The Iliad that's coming out, Emily Wilson. Oh. Really excited to see whether I can read The Iliad again, whether I'm that literate. I'm, I mean, the jury is out. I can't wait to hear Adam Driver go again in an Italian accent in Michael Mann's Ferrari. <laughs> he can't stop. I mean, and, and bless him. I can't wait. Molto bene. Molto bene. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today wherever you get podcasts. You really don't want to miss this. Don't. Don't miss this. Don't miss it. See you soon. <laughs> How would you sort of describe what you're saying yes to these days? I know you're a new mom, and I'm sure that affects your your time and schedule. But in general, what what sort of guides you when you want to say yes to something? I think it's like sometimes I'll most of the time I'll read something, and I just get this feeling. I think I think I've heard a lot of actors say this, but it feels like a sort of spiritual connection to the character, and you and it feels like you just get that you you get this sort of you get this feeling of, oh, I, I can do this. And, and uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but it is a sort of a spiritual connection when you read it on the paper. And um, that's kind of what I look for. I think, you know, that, that feeling of being so excited by something and so inspired to, uh, to do it. And, you know, I, I mean, I read so many wonderful scripts all the time and I also consider like, can I do it? as well and will I do it will I do a good job will somebody else do it better than me you know sometimes I'll I'll you know that that I'll I'll read something and go oh I think there's somebody else out there who would be better for this than I would and I I won't do it um so I also have to feel like it's something that I uh, will be able to do well yeah um I know you have another mini series coming out a crime mm. drama under the bridge where are you in that uh, part of the process and, and what else is sort of on the horizon for you? 
Um, yeah, we're, we're currently shooting that up in Vancouver. Um, and uh, that's been a really, a really great experience as well. It's the first time myself and my producing partner are producing a, a show. So it's, that's really exciting. And, um, and we're learning so much and we've gotten this wonderful opportunity to work with these incredible writers and showrunners and directors. And um, so, yeah, we're, we're still shooting that for another month or so. And then I, I think I'm going to take a month off. That's my plan. <laughs> but you never know. A whole month off. Why? <laughs> that, that's what I, in my mind, I'm like July, I'm doing nothing. And then <laughs> that never really seems to, to pan out. <laughs> um, I got to see War Pony at Cannes last year, which you directed and I thought was so fantastic. So I'm curious, are you already trying to figure out what's next when it comes to directing? Yeah, I you know, we've been Gina and I we write together and direct together and and there's there's a film we've been sort of writing together and uh I'm kind of just letting it sit because I I can't I'm not someone who can write when I'm not feeling inspired. So I'm trying not to put pressure on myself um and just sort of letting it happen organically, but we are working on a a new script. Exciting. Well, I guess we'll wrap this up by I think if you could tell me sort of looking back on this experience with Daisy, what will remain from it for you, you know, in, in years from now, what do you sort of think you'll hold on to from this experience? I think I'll hold on to the sort of joy that I was able to feel during a really hard time in my life and um, the connections I had with my cast and my coworkers and and just the joy we all experienced together. It was really so much fun. Like it, it's not commonly, that doesn't happen all the time <laughs> where it's just, you're so excited to be at work every day and to be with your your uh, fellow actors. And so I think I'll hold on to, to that. Well, thank you for joining me and congrats again on the show. Thank you for having me. That does it for today's episode. We'll be back on Thursday. In the meantime, find us on Twitter and Instagram at VF Awards Insider. And on our own, I'm at Katie Rich and Rebecca. Becca M. Ford. Our editor and producer, as always, is Brett Fuchs. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR.